Warren never uh, loses his chance to take a pot shot when I'm not here, so I was fully expecting. I don't a, even uh, think that was a pot shot. Yeah, you know, I was fully expected some, you know, some kind of shot across the bow. But hey, you know what? I'm back here, ready to roll. And uh, what was surprising to me was the host country of France. There was French French families there with uh, uh, USA jerseys on, which I thought was pretty cool, pretty interesting. Why do <laughs> you, did you talk? Why were they? Uh, I guess you did. Do you know why they were wearing? Like American jerseys, or just, were they grateful for the help in World War II, or were they just uh, <laughs> were they just were they just cheering on the U.S. since they both have red, white, and blue? They stink so bad you can't even make it up. Now here, your host of the short thing, Warren Shore and Ryan Silva. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to another edition of The Shore Thing here on Talk Radio 1190. Good show planned for you tonight. I'm Warren Shore here, as always, with Ryan Silva. Obviously, we're going to touch on the Cowboys' 31-21 win against the Washington Redskins. Today, we're going to go around the NFL as week two uh, always is probably the most confusing week in the NFL. We'll maybe touch on some college football, and then I want to wrap up the show with some uh, Rangers talk, little Rangers talk. We haven't talked about baseball. We got some time for that today, so we'll touch on that. And then uh, Ryan's got a question of the week, so that's how the show is going to go uh, today. So Ryan, how was it uh, going? Great, man. Uh, pretty mellow weekend for me this weekend, which was nice. Just got got to watch a lot of football uh, Saturday and today, obviously, but uh, pretty pretty good. How about uh, yourself? Yeah, there was not a lot of football watching for me this weekend. Yeah. Uh, I. Uh, played in the Texas Mid-Am on uh, uh, Friday and Saturday at Merido, and this was something you had to like qualify for. So I got through through a qualifier in July. Uh, so I was excited, and I had the last tea time on Friday, Oof. which uh, not really good if you just like sitting around. So dialed up some Xbox, played a little Xbox early on Friday. Uh, what wait, else? then what? Wait, what time was the last tea time? Two forty in the afternoon. Interesting. Cause so they have somebody, like a morning wave was, and then somebody, an was at work, somebody wasn't at work on Friday, and I thought that was because I thought that, that was why. But well, it was first of all, I'm not going to work a full eight hours and then go play in that. You do that every Tuesday. Yeah, but that's I'm just messing around with my friends. Okay. I also I didn't find out until Tuesday I was teeing off until two forty. Gotcha. So it was like I'm going to take the day off because I could have been in the morning from eight to ten or. 1 to 2.40 were the tea right. time. So they have you morning or afternoon. Uh, so I just happened to be in the afternoon. So it was nice to get a little sleep in, get get ready uh, and everything like that. And then uh, we had some – it was great because it was at Merido. I caddy there. It was hilarious. I got to use the clubhouse. Got to – they had a little masseuse there stretching me out before both times. I was I was milking – the whole thing. Guys who were members and the workers were like, Warren, would you park in the caddy parking lot? Where's your, like, joking around? It was it was great. It was fun. It was all in good fun. And then, uh, so I'm on the driving range, and it is. I mean, it's hot out there. Yeah, it was tough. Yeah, it was really warm. And uh, my five iron, I got my clubs reshafted about three weeks ago, and my five iron, the head just flies right off. And this is about 220, 225. You got to be on the tee at a, at uh, or it was about two fifteen. So I had about fifteen minutes, and I was like, "Oh, everyone!" I'm, I wish there was video because the look on everyone's face when they saw it. And I was like, 
it was priceless. Like that's something that was funny to see that. And they're like, you want to go get it? I'm like, yeah, I'm getting it. So everyone stopped firing. Let me go. The club went 50 yards out on the range. So I get a, a backup five iron. And I'm like, all right, we're, we're good to go. Start off okay, playing okay. Then on seventh, my ninth, eighth hole, my nine iron flies off. And that's when I started. I almost pulled out the phone on the spot and called PGA. Yeah. I got him done at PGA. I was hot. And it affected me for like the next hole. Uh, when I was putting, but I was mad. I was so mad. Um, I was even mad after the round. And so two clubs go down. Uh, and I could have replaced the nine iron, but I was, I, whatever, didn't do it. And then, so shot 91, haven't posted a 91 in a long, <laughs> long time, Yikes. but there were big scores out there. I mean, it was, it was whatever. And then yesterday I shot 78 was off in the morning. I uh, had like the 25th best round, I think, of the day. Had 125 guys in there. And, uh, yeah, got tied for 96, missed the cut. Um, but, yeah, it was fun. Uh, the course is ridiculous, so that's what I did this weekend. Um, and uh, it was – I used a set from uh, 2000 that I got – that I had used from like 2010 to 2017. I had it laying around. So, And then listen to this. So I on Friday night I'm like I'm not using these clubs tomorrow because I'm fearful that the head's gonna fly off whenever. Right. So I get my set ready and I forgot I'm looking in my cart in the cart we got to take carts. I'm looking because I'm gonna go hit a couple balls after I putted like ten minutes fifteen minutes before my tee time. I don't see my pitching wedge. I left my pitching wedge at home was upstairs in my house because I was like just mess around with it up there. Yeah. And I was like, I got no pitching wedge. So I'm going to go today without playing a pitching wedge. It was like always something this weekend with me that snowballs. And I'm usually always uh, prepared. Like I like all get the golf balls, like everything I do it the night before. But in this case, it was uh, <laughs> that the, the, no, uh, the no pitching wedge was, was pretty funny. As a guy who has uh, left a pitching wedge out on the course before, you can get by without it. Oh, I, I needed it on three shots. Uh, one of them, I was like, all right. And then the other one, I'm like, man, this would be a really good pitching wedge right here. Just take yeah, the nine. You just got to get the nine that's and what open, I did. open the face a little bit, and you're good to go. That's 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 the pro's move. When nine, uh... three-quarter, they're all good shots. Yeah. Um, the other one was uh, jack up a 52-degree wedge, so that was fine. Uh, but, yeah, it was pretty. Um, and then it was funny. The guys I was playing with on Friday, we didn't play with the same guys on Saturday. They were like, "Hey, all your clubs, uh, all your clubs stay together today." I was like, "Yep." Well, I got a different set, so they all stayed together. Everyone, was, the workers are like, "I don't go on." I'm like, "All the clubs intact, so it's a win." But uh, the guy one shot two under. He shot. There were only five rounds under par. He shot uh, 74, 70, 70. So that was great playing, and it was. Uh, so the mid am, I should say what it is. It's uh, twenty five years old or older, and. Uh, Handicap of 8.4 or less to qualify for the tournament. I think they said 435 people were trying to qualify for uh, 20 for 100 spots. Wow! So that's what it was at. Um, so yeah, that's what I did. It was it was a it was a good time. And uh, a couple one of the caddies on the range, I was like, uh, "How jealous are you of me hitting balls on the range right now?" And he goes, "Pretty jealous. Pretty pretty jealous." So when you guys when you guys go on Tuesday, you're not allowed to hit on the on the range. Only play. Can't we got to walk? 
Can't take a card on Tuesday. We can't use the range because the range is still open to members. Can't use the putting green. Can't use the short game area they got. We're only allowed to go out there and play. Jeez. So, uh, hey, it's still, it's, we'll take it. Yeah. Like, I, I know it might sound like, oh, man, it's pretty strict, but it's, it's, uh, it's a privilege that we're, uh, that I say we're happy to, uh, we're happy to have. And if that's what it is, that's what it has to be. Because other courses, if you're at like Dallas National, you're only allowed to play there uh, once once a month, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got it pretty good. We could go out there and play uh, every Tuesday. And then I played today with my dad. And you want to talk about a stripe show. You know, I kind of was tongue-in-cheek about a stripe show last two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Man, he was feeling it today. Uh, he was feeling So a lot of golf. I'm golfed out for a little bit. And then, uh, so if I guess the moral of the story is don't go to PJ Superstore to get your club free shafted because <laughs> that was a tough scene. I was, I was, I was yesterday. I was in a much better mood after shooting 78. I was ready to, I was ready for heads to roll on Friday night. Did I you was, end up contacting them at all? Yeah. I went to the store and I brought the club in with the two of them. I brought both of them. One, I put back together. The other one, I was like, this is it. And the guy working there was like, well, the epoxy, if it's uh hot outside and you keep them in your car, it's just going to melt. And I was like, Old man, I wanted to say that. I just said, hey, look at this. There's no epoxy on the club. It just don't melt like that. And I was like, I've lived here for 12 years. I've had clubs reshafted before. I've never had this issue of epoxy melting with the heat. The thing he goes, well, I don't know what to say. And then the other two other, the two other guys are trying to downplay old man over there that was like, oh, this is on you. And I was like, no, 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 guys, this is this is a bad job. And then I'm taking my full set in to recheck because the eight iron I looked today, the eight iron is getting a little loose. Oh. And that is the next one to go. So, uh, yeah, it was a tough. At least it was fixable. I've busted. I, I mean, I, you've seen my seven iron. I still yeah. keep the shaft in my bag just for just because it's funny. When I blew the head off that, it like it busted off completely. You know what I mean? Like where you couldn't put it back together. Like, yeah. And I, club. I broke a club swinging twice before one, the shaft. I don't know what it was just clean contact or something. The shaft came off. It wasn't like just the head flew and you could put it back together. I've twice before broke one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this was, and I was like, I was playing in the Texas men am and I was like, I made a quad on the hole because of this one, two lost balls. And a guy just looked at me. He like looked up, didn't even say anything. I went back down to like finding my receipt or whatever. And I was just like, yeah, I want that shame. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was going to be like, you costed me making the cut because I knew I wouldn't uh, four putted the next hole or whatever after I missed a couple ones. But uh, it was funny. All right. We can come back here on the short thing. Talk Radio 1190. We'll get into the Cowboys game as they beat the Redskins. So that's coming up next here on the show. Back here on the Short Thing, Warren and Ryan here with you for the next 40 minutes or so. So check us out. Also, we got our Pick'em show that is going to be on Thursday's college games and where we preview the football college and NFL weekend. All right, college football, I don't think we're really going to talk about that much today because honestly, the weekend wasn't really that great. Uh, No really big marquee games. I guess the game I was most excited for was Iowa State-Iowa and that game Seemed like it was played over eight hours yesterday. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, that was that was a. I think I, I feel like it was your typical Iowa Iowa State game where it was just like knock down, drag out, kind of slow moving, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball for sure. And there were like two weather delays in there. It was yeah. it was just a disaster, and there were no really. I mean, there were some upsets, but nothing really in the grand scheme of things to talk about. But we got a big slate next weekend, so we'll preview that on 
uh, Thursday. So to our picks in college this week, I went uh, six and three uh, as because I gave out on the show Virginia minus seven and a half. They won by seven. And they'll close at seven. So six and three. And uh, Ryan, how was uh, your weekend on the college slate? A tough go at it. Friday, I thought I was going to get a nice little push with UNC Wake, but uh, Wake kicked a field goal late to go ahead. Um, but I ended up finishing four and seven on the week. I'm at fourteen and twelve overall through the first three weeks. Okay, and I am at I was nine five and one, so I am uh, fourteen uh, eight and one. Also just missed a UTSA cover at Army by one point. That was tough. That was <laughs> yeah. a, a failed two-point conversion when they were down. Let's see. They were down. It was 13 to like 28 or something. No, it wasn't even 13, 28. Maybe it was. And then they it went was for 24, two. Wasn't it 20? Maybe it was 13, 24, and they went for two, which would have put them down nine, which really still wouldn't have mattered in the scheme of things if they would have got the two-point conversion. Yeah, but they Army won, what, 31-14, right? 31-13. Because it was a 17 point oh, okay, spread okay, and they, yeah, and okay, they okay. lost by 18. Yeah, and Army scored in the last. Yeah. Sec- in the but last I was like, what are you seconds? doing going for two when you would still be down two scores? Like, yeah. it made zero sense, but whatever. That's why you just got to love gambling. How are your uh, NFL picks? NFL, right now I'm two and two, and I got the uh, Browns tomorrow night minus two and a half. <laughs> Man, the Giants sure did lay a clunker. Oh, terrible. We, we were both on them. Yep. Um, and then I had the Chargers minus two and a half at Detroit today, and that was a that was a brutal game to watch as well. Yeah, I'm one and two. I had the uh, Bears minus two and a half. That was a loss. Oof. And and then uh, was it? I thought they won sixteen thirteen. No, fourteen. Oh, sixteen. It was fourteen thirteen when ah. they went for two. And then I had the Giants. And then the win I had was, uh, I don't know. It doesn't really matter. It was a win. <laughs> you don't remember the wins. You remember the losses. Always. Uh, the, one of the wins I did have today was I picked the Cowboys over the Redskins. Yeah, that was it. So that's a good transition. That's what uh, do there. Huh? Shout out to me. That's what I was doing. <laughs> As we can go into that, the Cowboys. Uh, were you worried about a backdoor cover at all there? No. Okay. No, not at all. I was just curious. I will say I... <laughs> this is probably not good, but I didn't see a single minute of the game today. Uh, but shout out to the guys in the cart. They had it on the radio. Well, they were had it on their phone streaming through their Bluetooth, uh, Bluetooth speakers. So I was listening to Kevin Burkhart and Charles Davis throughout the whole game. And it was very confusing on the one t- I could hear their cart. And when I'm taking the ball back here, uh, holding called back penalty and it just threw me off or whatever. But uh, they were watching the game. But uh, so I was got, I got to listen to it, and it seemed like from what all the reading I've done and some of the stuff I've checked out that the Cowboys got off to a slow start, where it was uh, punt, interception, and punt, and then their next five possessions they score, and they've put together the two weeks they scored last uh, last week against the Giants on four consecutive possessions. This week on five consecutive possessions that has not happened in a long, long time, and. From listening to the game and checking out the drive chart, they've overcame a lot of penalties when they were in the red zone to score touchdowns, which is something that have, that has hindered this offense for a long, long time as well. Yeah, both teams had a ton of penalties uh, the the entire game, and a lot of them came in big spots. I know the Redskins had quite a few penalties in the red zone as well, where they'd get a first down and then it'd get called back. The Red the uh, Cowboys did the same thing, but you're right. the The Cowboys kind of got off to a slow start. And it looked like maybe the the Redskins defense had their number. They sacked Dak a couple times. He almost fumbled the ball in one of the sacks. Uh, so fourth, uh, fourth and long. So the Cowboys had to punt it away. But um, 
if, if you're a Cowboys fan, if you're a Redskins fan, if you're anybody watching this game, you knew that that wasn't going to be the case for very long. Uh, the interception was kind of lucky um, that the Redskins had. Deron Payne got some pressure up the middle and forced the missed timing on Dak Prescott to Randall Cobb, went off Randall Cobb's head, and it was just a tip drill interception. But uh, after that, I mean, the, the Redskins weren't moving the ball on the ground at all. The Cowboys' front seven was playing really well. Leighton Vanderish is a freak. That guy still, I mean, he can cover ground for that size. It's just, it's just unreal. Uh, Byron Jones was playing pretty good defense on, on Terry McLaurin most all game. I mean, even when he looked like he was running away from him, Byron Jones was right there, you know, getting his hand on the ball. So, I mean, it, this Cowboys team, it's going to be a long time before they lose, I think. They they really got things rolling. Even if they do start slow, they're able to overcome that by, like you said, putting together multiple drives that end up in points. Yeah, we had another grandpa touchdown as well, the old charity touchdown to Whitney. I mean, it's just unreal. <laughs> Is it going to happen every week? I, it might. I think I think if they get within, like, five to seven yards, Jason Garrett's going to go up to Kelmore and be like, just draw something up for, for Whitney. Just draw some up for him. And last week... Uh, did you know how many snaps he played last week? He played 45 snaps last week. Wow, and they said he was only coming in to play 20, 25 a game. I don't know if the snap counts have been. I haven't seen uh, what the snap counts have been this week. But that's a lot of that's a lot of snaps for him to be playing. I, I At least I feel like, and especially if they're only going to give him the, uh, the charity touchdown. But Devin Smith seemed like he had a nice game, nice touchdown catch, 51 yeah, yards. absolutely blew by. Well, it's the same, the same. The Redskins give up this play every single time. It's Josh Norman, one on one, and he's got safety help underneath. But then they'll send, the offense will send another wide receiver underneath. And whoever's playing safety on that side always bites on the underneath safety and leaves Josh Norman one on one. And he's not a speed guy, so they run away from him. It's the same exact play that Deshaun Jackson scored on them last week. And uh, another, there was one other, oh, it was last year when we played San Diego. Tyrell Williams scored on the same play. That's like the Redskins. You would think an NFL team would be able to make an adjustment to a play like that. But yeah, I mean, it was a great play, great throw, great catch by Devin Smith. But it was also a huge breakdown in defense by the Redskins yet again. Yeah, and another good performance by Dak. Only four incompletions. Finally sacked for the first time on the season, but still they only gave up one sack. That was that was a solid game, and he's just spreading it out. QB, QBR for ESPN, their rating. They don't really tell you what QBR is, what the stats are in it, so it's hard to say what it is, but he's 94.6, a uh, passer rating of 123.5. So solid, solid performance from Dak again. And I mean, if I'm Dak, I don't think I take a contract right now. I just keep no. letting my play get the get the dollars keep going and going and going up because what the bench what his um, contract's going to be is off of golf and golf's got a uh, hundred and ten mil guaranteed. So right now, I'd say the past two weeks, uh, Dak's probably earned himself another seven mil guarantee, one seventeen mil probably one fifteen one seventeen mil. He keeps it up. He's got the Dolphins next week, so that's just a, that's just a stat sheet patter. The Saints, in two weeks, Drew Brees looked like he probably has a thumb injury that's out for a couple of weeks if he wasn't even to grip the football after he came back. So there's, there's, if I'm Dak, I'm not taking a contract right now. Oh, definitely not. Yeah, especially with the way this offense looks and all the weapons that they have. Uh, Tavon Austin was uh, inactive today because he had a concussion. And like, like we just mentioned, Devin Smith comes out, makes a big play, huge touchdown, 51 yards. 
Um, not only is he a speed guy, I'd like Tavon Austin, but he also has some pretty good size to him, too. So yeah, I think he's way more valuable in the passing game. Randall Cobb has fit into this offense seamlessly. Obviously, Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup have been with Dak for a couple, of, you know, a year, half a year now for uh, for Cooper, a little over, and then the, the full year for uh, Gallup. And he's been doing great his, his sophomore year, too. So the way this offense is rolling, really haven't had to rely on Zeke a whole lot. I mean, they've, I think they've put the bulk of the offense, would you agree, on, on Dak's shoulders. Oh, for sure. And he's just coming up gunning. So, yeah, I mean, he could end up with $150 million by the end of the year. Okay, let's have to break some of that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, yeah, what do you think of Zeke's performance? If you just look at the stat line, his average four and a half or 4.8 per carry, 111 yards and a touchdown. Last week we both talked about how he looked just a little. He needed to get the sea legs under him. It was his first game back. But how do you think uh, – Dak did today. The Redskins got a pretty solid rush defense. I know they were missing Jonathan Allen. That's a big piece up the middle, but they got a they got a solid front seven or front defensive line at least. Yeah, no, our whole front seven. I mean, we even had got this rookie out of uh, out of North Carolina, Cole Holcomb, who looks like he's going to be uh, very good as our middle linebacker. But um, I mean, they did they did. All right. Uh, Ryan Kerrigan did his usual over pursuit of the ball carrier, whether it's uh, Dak or or Zeke, even though he he did get a sack on Dak uh, early in the game. But he I mean, they they kept Zeke pretty much at bay. Then towards the end, once that defense kind of get beaten down, they did uh, let off a couple uh, a couple big runs. But again, not really relying a whole lot on him. Uh, I'm trying to pull up here. I didn't even see how he did in the passing game. Um today either because I don't, I don't remember him catching a whole lot of balls totally tony pollard had a couple uh good runs as well so i mean they're able to spell zeke without really seems like missing too much um in the in the running game didn't pollard have a touchdown called back due to holding call he too? did yes yeah, he did was, that was I'm, I'm always curious how say throughout the middle of the season they're going to use pollard if it comes down to the uh when it comes in the goal line, like we all know, Zeke's just the battering ram. Like, are they gonna? Is Pollard gonna be the touchdown vulture? Like, how are how are they gonna? When are they gonna use Pollard? I think you use Paul. I mean, it's tough just when Zeke needs a breather. Yeah, I mean because I would say with him being kind of a smaller guy, you know, usually the scat backs like that use him in the passing game. But Zeke is so lethal in the in the passing game, you have to leave him in there. So I think just when he gets a little tired and needs a little bit of a breather, um, you know, you uh, you you bring him in. But that's about it. I mean, Zeke had, I'm looking right now, two targets, two catches, 23 carries. So right in that 20 to 25 range that they talked about last week. They said they might up his his touches a little bit more, but it doesn't seem like they did. They really didn't need to. Um, but, uh, you know, it, I, back to your question, I just think you use Pollard as needed. I don't think there's a set situation when, when he needs to be in the game. Yeah, because in the preseason, if you're like, we got Tony Pollard. Yeah, we're excited. Like, I'd almost... I don't know if this is because Zeke was out and they were trying to use this as like a pressure to get him back, but I felt like even some fans were going to be like, man, we're going to use this as like a committee or something. Right. Like, like, didn't it almost seem like they're like, man, it's going to be Zeke's going to get we're a 25 time. Yeah. yeah two I'm like, no, this is not going to happen. You don't pay Zeke what you're going to pay him than to give Tony Pollard 10 carries a game. Like, Pollard's getting five carries, six carries a game. Gonna come in maybe on a third down to help pass block something like that. And you're not gonna give him the bulk or even you're not gonna cut into. They ran it 34 times today. Five of those were Dax, but you're not gonna run it 29 times and not give Zeke the 85 percent of the right. carries. That's just not. That's not. That's not good. 
Yeah, no, yeah. Tony Pollard only touched the ball four times today on the ground, and I think that's probably he'll probably stay in that five. If I think it get if it gets closer to ten range, that's a little much. Um, maybe in these early weeks, but after week five or six, I would say. I mean, you're going to see Zeke getting ninety to ninety five percent of the touches on the ground, unless something something happens to him. You know, as far as injury wise, if he comes up with a hamstring or, or something like that. But yeah, Tony Pollard is strictly a backup spell running back. This is not a running back com- yeah. by committee by any means. Yeah. All right, we come back here. On the Shore Thing Talk Radio 1190, we will go around the NFL. Pretty significant injuries that happened today, so we'll touch on that and check what else uh, caught our attention around the league. That's coming up next here on the Shore Thing on Talk Radio 1190. Morning, Ryan. You on the Shore Thing Talk Radio 1190. Check us out on Apple Podcasts and wherever else you may listen to your podcast at. That is the Shore Thing. We'll be back on Thursday. That is on our RSS feed for our Pick'em show. So always be sure to check us out there. We're here on Talk Radio 1190 every Sunday night from 7 to 8 p.m. All right. Uh, early lines before we go around the NFL for next week. We're talking about the Cowboys win over the Redskins. And we said... Uh, the first three games are must-win, obviously, with the soft schedule. Couldn't have asked for a better schedule, really. But uh, they play Miami next week. What do you do? You see the uh, opening line for that? No. Do you have a what is that? What is your guess? Seventeen and a half. Twenty and a half. <sighs> wow. And the Patriots are minus seventeen and a half against the Jets. Really? Yeah. Wow. I think that that's a big number, even see? with Marcus Simeon in there. You mean Trevor? Or Trevor Simeon? <laughs> Marcus Simeon, the shortstop for the A's. Yes, I know. <laughs> no, that's fine. Look, look, not... we've long established on this, I know, on, on this show I know, that I... names are not my forte. But I mean, look, I think there has to be credit where credit is due. Sometimes that Marcus Simeon getting brought up uh, in shortstop of the A's. That look, that's a man that knows his baseball. <laughs> so you got to look at it as as you can look at it as oh this, he missed another name, but also I think some credit is due of like hey guy knows he's a shortstop by the A's. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I try I try to keep some you know professionalism here, and I guess that's my only way is just knowing the you know shortstop of the A's. Yeah, so that that uh, Trevor Simeon's thirteen and ten as a backup, like he's a sol- he's a or as in the NFL is his record, so he's not terrible. But uh, around the NFL, I would say the biggest news was the biggest game of the weekend, you would say Rams-Saints. Uh, yeah, big time. And uh, I, I think it, it, obviously the Drew Brees uh, injury had a lot to do with it. But even the first half, I mean, he went down, I guess, what, the beginning of the second quarter? Yeah. Um, but, I mean, the first quarter was kind of a snooze fest. Really kind of under-delivered uh, or underperformed to the hype that we thought we were going to. Talk about a snooze fest. This guy fell asleep in the, <laughs> on the couch for a little bit. I did, too. That I, was I, terrible. I mean, I, I woke up. I mean, I fell asleep probably right before halftime and woke up in the third quarter. I was like, oh, well, I mean, that's all you got to know right here. <laughs> yeah, I, I I, don't know when I went to sleep, fell asleep. I know I woke up right before. It was right before halftime when I woke up. But Drew Brees uh, out with a thumb injury, and it did not look good. Aaron Donald hit him uh, on a pass to Jared Cook. He's going to see a hand specialist right now in L.A. I don't know if you saw this. This is from uh, Josina Anderson, and he said he's – Adsy is concerned that it could be significant. And I don't want to be like, oh, I'm a doctor, whatever. But if you can't, you can't even grip the ball. They showed him that he didn't even try. Yeah. And he's holding, it was his right hand. And when he's holding his hand, he's clenched, he's got like a fist. 
with his right hand, and the thumb is sticking straight out. Like, he's not yeah. even – no bend in it. So, uh, you got to think he's going to be out for a significant amount of time. Is it broken? I'm not going to say that, but it seems like it's a pretty severe uh, injury. Teddy B uh, is the backup, and look, I'd say that's an adequate backup, Teddy Bridgewater. Oh, for sure. I mean, it could be much, much worse. Way worse. It could be way worse. It could be Marcus Simeon. While he's playing shortstop over it could be, It could be. That would be a way. I mean, that would be really, really bad. Because Simeon is Aaron on his throws already. Yeah, right. He's improved himself throwing, but yeah. But I would say it's a pretty solid bet. Look, you could be stuck with Cooper Rush uh, as a backup. You could be stuck with a lot of – you could be stuck with Swag Kelly as a backup. There's a lot of guys worse. Oh, easy. easy uh, swag There's a lot of guys out there that could be worse uh, for backup. So not terrible. But uh, – I, I I will say this. So there was another refereeing controversy in this one. The Saints had a a pass or a Goff fumbled the ball in his throwing motion. It was ruled a fumble, but uh, they blew the whistle dead. I could not have been happier that the Saints got hosed on another call in this game. I I saw that and I was like clap. I was standing. I was clapping. I was loving it. It was awesome. These people complained. They're still complaining that happened in January. What are we, eight months, seven months? Yeah. And they're still complaining. And uh, they got hosed again. And Sean Payne's like, it only happens to us. We are the only team that gets a bad call. Wah, wah. Guess what? Every team gets hosed, okay? Uh, as I've said multiple times talking about the NFC Championship game, you should have never been in that situation. You should have been beating the Rams before that. Maybe you stopped the Rams on their previous drive, so you're still winning. So I love it that they uh, got hosed again. Yeah, and that's tough too because it probably would have been it probably would have gone for six uh, when Cam Jordan yeah or, yeah it was Cam Jordan picked it up and uh, took it the other way. Um, but you know it, we're we're gonna see bad calls left and right. I mean we've seen it's it's just it. I think it's unfortunate that it came against the the Saints again only because of the whining and complaining aspect of it. I mean, every team gets screwed. Every team gets screwed. Everyone always thinks it's their team that gets screwed. But, you know, it is what it is. Like we said, it was kind of an under uh, underwhelming game. The The Rams really ran away with it after um, after Breeze went out. But, you know. And I thought, was, I, yeah, and I know Breeze going out had a lot to do on this. But going into the game when people are saying, oh, the Saints are going to blow out the Rams. This is a revenge game. I could not believe how many people were thinking that. Wouldn't they think that this is a Rams? Like, hey, we got to prove it. Like, the right. Rams have to hear for how so long that they didn't deserve to be in the Super Bowl that you have to prove your prove quote unquote prove yourself that you belong. Like this was a big game for them too that they had could beat them again technically fair and square whatever whatever garbage you want to spew out there like just blatant disrespect for the Rams. Right now I could also argue that the Saints snuck away with one last week too. So you know oh, like they we, snuck away big time. That's what I'm last saying. Week. So you know things always kind of work its way out and you know you could you could complain one way or the other but. Uh, I think all in all, Saints fans are going to be okay as long as Drew Brees isn't out for an extended period of time. I think they'll be all right. Yeah, but I think he could be out for five, six weeks. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I was always expecting a Brees regression. Like I didn't have him making the the Saints making the playoffs when we did our preview, just because I thought that so much, how much heartbreak can it handle? Uh, they can handle with the Vikings loss, and then last year, and then Brees was pretty bad from week twelve on throughout the season. Uh, to finish the season off. And I just felt like you're just natural regression, especially with injuries. You're going to get some key injuries. They didn't have those last year. Um, 
So that's that. Uh, what else stood out to you around the league today? Uh, I mean, I'll, Lamar Jackson, the Ravens keep rolling. Yeah. They looked really well, or they looked really good. They've also had a fairly yeah, too easy, easy, too easy, easy start. Yeah. But look, the I think also the Cardinals should get some credit. Uh, the tie last week, say what you want about the Lions, but going into Baltimore and losing by six, like that's a solid. Looks like Kyler had a decent game, three hundred forty nine yards. Yeah, I mean, on that, against that Ravens a, defense. Yeah, pretty good. So I feel I like I do. You feel like people want minus Rex Ryan. Do you feel like people want Cliff to succeed in the NFL or not? No, I think everyone's looking for him to fail. I totally agree. Yeah, I think it's like if if one thing happens, I mean we we even saw. Um, week one with the whole, or even we'll go back to the preseason with the whole cadence and the whole clapping mm-hmm. thing. Everyone's like, "Oh, Cliff doesn't know what he's doing. Can't even doesn't even know the rule on how to snap the ball. You know, things like that." I think he's under such a microscope, which is wild, because we hype up guys like Sean McVay, guys like Matt Lafleur, guys that have these high powered offenses. Uh, who's the guy out in uh in Cincinnati now? Uh, Zach Taylor. Zach Taylor, another guy. He was quarterbacks coach for the Rams. We we those three guys. You know, obviously, um, uh, uh, Sean McVay's on a de- another level because he went to a Super Bowl. But I'll put Matt Lafour and uh, Zach Taylor in there. These guys that have these high-powered offenses that haven't been uh, in the NFL a super long time. Matt Lafour, I think, maybe more than than uh, than Zach Taylor. But they were like, "Oh man, can't wait to see you know these offenses. Can't wait to see what they do." But then when it comes to Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury, just because he didn't see a whole ton of success wins losses wise at Texas Tech um, and whatever you want to say about the whole USC thing. But anybody in their right mind is going to jump from USC offensive coordinator to a head coach of the NFL. But I feel like him and Kyler Murray, both people are trying to set up to fail or at least want to see some failure before they see any success. But I think the thing is you said there is. Zach Taylor, Matt LaFleur, Sean McVay, and whoever else of the young guns, they cut their chops in the coaching ranks in the NFL. Yeah. And yeah, Cliff, I mean, the whole every, all you hear about Cliff Kingsbury is he only won six games or he was only he got fired from Texas Tech and he never won a Texas Tech and he had Mahomes and he had Baker and he had Davis Webb and all these quarterbacks out there. He never had any of these guys. That's all it's never of, oh, he's a good offensive mind. It's always he had those guys and couldn't win. And it's because he's in college, and I don't think the traditional NFLers want to see a college guy come in and tr- change the game, even though... Kind of like Chip Kelly. Yes. Even though the game is already changing. You see McVay's changing the game. He has a lot of college uh, concepts in there with the, how much the motion and uh, and the throwing. And and, and the, the, the problem with Chip Kelly's offense when he was coaching was that he had a run-first offense. Right. Cliffs is way more passing first, way more passing first, but it's a totally different offense than what Chip Kelly was running. And it's just the stigmas that the people you hear in the national media are so stupid that they don't want to change. And they're afraid someone's going to come in and change what they've known forever. Mm-hmm. The league's been around for a hundred years. I think it's time for a change when they were running the, the wing T and it's the forward pass was like a, a foreign concept. And look what that's turned into. I, I assume now with a lot smarter people looking at offenses and how much time that time they spend, that's what's going to happen. But what else stood out to you? Uh, but Lamar Jackson, the Ravens play the Chiefs next week. That's going to be a doozy of a game yeah. right there. That's their first true test. Mahomes, phenomenal again today against the Raiders. Uh, oh, the only thing, I don't know if you're going to touch on this, but the other thing I was, the Steelers are uh, in a little bit of trouble. Yeah. Uh, Big Ben goes out. Not just because Big Ben goes out, but uh, Juju, they got waxed on Sunday Night Football. Seahawks come in and beat them. But they're 
I know I picked them to win the division. But As you, did I. And you did too. But I always felt like a concern was who their number two receiver was going to be. Just he was never going to be as good as Juju was this year. And why Juju was so good was because Antonio Brown was able to uh, draw double coverage and Juju was one-on-one with the second or third DB and Roethlisberger just throws a deep ball and that's what works for him. And now Juju's seeing that main coverage and he's been fine, but he's not the same player Antonio Brown is. Oh, definitely not. And he's not going to be the same player without Antonio Brown, like you just said. And now with Mason Rudolph at running back, or excuse me, at quarterback, I mean, that's going to be that's make things even more tough. Yeah, uh, it's going to be a tough one. The Steelers coming up, let's check out their schedule. They're 0-2, and they play at San Francisco next week. Then they have the Bengals, Ravens, and Chargers. And Jimmy G's looked after a tough week one. They've looked be- he looked pretty good against the Bengals this week, but I still feel like we're three weeks away, two, three weeks away. Oh, big time. You don't know who anybody is until after week five. Yeah, yeah. even then, you're st- look at the Colts last year. They started off one and five and made the playoffs. Yeah. Um, so even then you could see a team go on a run like that. I was, I will say I was disappointed in the Titans, uh, today, as we talked about on Thursday show, the, uh, T Boone Pickens, uh, Memorial game yeah. with Oklahoma state yesterday. Great, great cover late. Yeah, by big the way. time late. I was like, that, there's no way they're not going to, there was hope happen. from there. That T Boone willed that into the end zone. Um, and so not this week, but next week it's another T Boone, uh, death game. Cause it's our first game at home. Ooh. They're on the road this week at Texas, so two weeks they're at home. So you got to mark that one down. But the Titans, did you know it was Steve McNair? Steve McNair, yeah, that's yep. a tough one. The field catches on fire. I mean, you retire your you're the dead guy's court. Yeah, yeah, I know the dead guy. Yeah, well, he was murdered. Well, <laughs> still, he's also still. Dead. I know, but it wasn't like a uh, 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 old guy die. Like I mean, he was. It was there was tougher scenes, I guess, in his uh, in his death. Um, but you don't uh, you don't win and you don't cover. That's a t- that's tough. Big time. Tough. I need you, Vrabel. I, Vrabel. I need your boys ready to fight on this one. Speaking of that game, how Vinatieri think we, word on the Twitter sphere is he's going to hang him up tomorrow. He said Vinatieri missed. He missed three kicks last week, uh, two field goals and an extra point, and then he missed an extra point today. Two extra points and a field goal. Yeah, so he's missed five or six kicks in the first two weeks, and he said uh, to the media when they asked to talk to him, I'm. Not talking to you today, but I'm going to talk to you tomorrow. And on Mondays for the Colts, that's their normal day off, and they usually don't talk to the media. So that's why uh, yeah. the Twitter streets are wild speculation. Are we going to talk about Antonio Brown scoring a touchdown too? Uh, yeah, we can. I I am so, like, I don't even know what should happen with him. Like, should he play or should he, like, I'm just so confused on his whole his whole situation. Not with the whole getting accused of sexual assault and all that, but then he, like, gets a new helmet sponsor. Like, I feel like he is – his time in New England is short. Really? I think I think this is exactly where he wanted to be. This was the plan the whole time. I said this last week or two weeks ago, and I think – I mean, everyone's already said it's been overstated. Instagram's been quiet since he's been there. His feet are fine. His helmet's great, and everything's going to be cooking. Business is booming in New England. Yeah. No, and I can see that, but I find it hard to believe that he's ready. He was ready to walk away from $30 million guaranteed. I mean, like, I know he's making $10 million, but I know it comes to a point where, oh, you have this much money. It's this much. It doesn't matter. But $10 million guaranteed to $30 million, that's $20 million difference for any guy. That's a ton of money. I mean, you're telling me that if he's going to do well in New England, they're not going to re-up with him next year for I, you never two know. or three years? You never know. I think they are. I mean, well, they re-upped with Josh Gordon. 
Well, they never had to redo his deal. But but they like but they had to keep bringing him back. Like they had to bring him back on a new deal. You know what I mean? Like he, no, they don't. He's still on the same contract. Oh, really? He's From, never got a new contract. Yeah, he's still under the same contract because he hasn't played enough games to occur. Uh, years. He's under the same contract. Like he hasn't had to have a new contract. Did yet. not realize that. I thought they had to. I thought. I thought he's resigned at least once. No, he's never had to resign with New England. Oof, never. Wow. So I still think they. I still think they re up with them for another two or three years after this season. Oh, I, well, I would assume it, depending how well it goes. But I still feel. I just. I just feel like there's. Uh, I. I just think it's a weird. It's a weird situation there, don't you? Don't you? Man, Antonio Brown isn't exactly a normal dude. No, he's not. But I feel like there's always a sh- another shoe to drop with him, just waiting. And I'm not saying I'm not even saying like the sexual assault. Like, who knows what's going to happen there? Right. Um, but just I feel like him. I feel like there's one. He are you? He's really going to continue to show up on time in New England for meetings and stuff. Like it's just that stuff. Like I don't feel like they're really going to cut it with him. And I know Brady's. He's living with Brady allegedly or whatever he's doing, but I I'm still a little I'm I don't know. Look, I mean it's been it's been stated multiple times that Antonio Brown is an extremely hard worker and how he works yes. his tail off in the offseason and even during the season. So I think as much as the money means to him, I think winning a championship means yeah. a little bit more. And he knows this is his best opportunity. And if he really wants to win a championship, he's gonna keep his nose clean, keep his feet defrosted and he's going to be ready to go here in new England and just keep his head down and go to work. And I really think in, that's all he's going to do. And even in the, whenever his deal in Oakland was no one even said, no one questioned his work ethic. Never. Like, no, nev- one's ever, I, no one's ever had. No yeah. one's ever had. And that's always been like, he's one of the hardest workers out. Yeah, that's for sure. It's been out there, but I, I'm to me, Antonio Brown now leaving the Steelers and the whole Oakland charade and whatever he's to me, he's turned into the, I'm, I'm going to see it before I, Believe it. See, but does it mean anything to you that not only has he talked about how much he disliked Ben Roethlisberger and how much of a Richard Ben Roethlisberger was that Le'Veon Bell backed him up? No, because I've always thought Ben Roethlisberger was a piece of trash. Okay. Like, that has nothing... I think there, yeah. That so, so him forcing his way out of Pittsburgh, you think, has nothing to do with, with all this other stuff? What other stuff do you mean? Like with, I mean, the whole Oakland shenanigans and just, just kind of what we've seen up to this point of Antonio Brown. Like, do you think Pitt, him forcing his way out of Pittsburgh has more to say about him or just says that, hey, look, he was kind of fed up in that situation. Well, so I think he it has wanted to say out. about both. Yeah. Because they were still winning. Right. Like, it was a winning invite. They weren't They weren't losing. Like, But they weren't ever going to get past. I don't think they were ever going to get over that hump. Especially no, they, with Le- once, once Le'Veon left, I think that's when he realized, look, I got to get out of sure, here. For sure, but they were still winning there. It was a winning situation. Yeah. You never hear anything. It's always, oh, look how good the Steelers' culture is, all that. Like, that's what the Steelers, they pride themselves on and stuff. Even though if you can, they, that's what they pride themselves on, such a great culture. And he wanted out of that, so you're like, okay, and then he's going to go to the Raiders. And that I I think that was solely Mike Mayock. He want he did not like Mike Mayock. I think he liked Gruden. Oh yeah, because Gruden stand for him to that to the end. But he just was fed up with Mayock, and he wanted out of there. And uh, yeah, he got he got to New England. But who says that he's gonna the ball ain't coming to him sometime? I'm, I'm just. You know, you understand what no, I'm saying. No, I, I definitely know what you're saying. There's definitely. It's not a, like he's been it's in a. Not, it's not out of the uh, realm of possibility. But it's not like he's, like he's kicked. He's forced himself out of a winning situation and out of a losing situation. Like he's done the full spectrum. But he's never forced his way out of a championship situation. 
The Steelers have been considered a championship team, and you could say they they were. You could think in your own mind that they were never going to be able to get over the Patriots, but they had championship level talent on that team. They definitely did. But again, once Le'Veon was out, I think that's what but he they was still like, they still had it. Him and him and Juju were able to were, do it. Yeah, but then you saw he he was coming after Juju too, thinking that well because he was voted Team MVP right. by the media, and he was pissed about that. Right, because so. he's he's what made Juju. Mm-hmm. But I just feel like he's took himself out of. A winning team and a losing team. So yeah, no, I mean you're 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 right. You're right. There, there. Like I said, it's not out of the realm of possibility that he does do, do something to shoot himself in the foot and ruin the situation. But also, I would more so lean to the fact that he's trying to get a ring. He's trying to get a championship. He's trying to cement his legacy as one of the best players to ever lace it up in the NFL. And this is what he's. This is where he needs to be to for that to happen. That's true. And look, he could get derailed by this whole sexual assault thing yeah. too. Like this is yeah. not. He's not. I He's feel, not out of the clear. I feel like you have to play him because it's not a, it's a civil suit and not a not a criminal suit. Yeah. But I mean, he's on thin ice with that too. I would have to say if more allegations come out, so we got to see what's up there. All right, coming up next in our final quick segment segment of the short thing, we'll get to Ryan's question and maybe some baseball. That's coming up here on the short thing. Only a couple minutes left with us here on the Short Thing Talk Radio 1190. Uh, Ryan, I got a quick question for you before you get to your question. Do the Rangers finish above 500 on the season? Right now they're sitting 74-77, just got swept by the A's, uh, won six out of their last ten. What do you think? Two weeks left in the season. No, because they got, what, a three-game set with the Yankees, so that's going to set them back at least two, so they'd have to overcome another five games. I don't think so. And they got the Red Sox coming. Boy, the Major League Baseball really gave them a – uh, tough finish. They they gave him a sweet sweetheart deal finishing at Globe Life with the Red Sox and the Yankees. Not saying that they weren't gonna draw well throughout the right. those final games, but boy, they really gave him a sweetheart deal there. That they've been pumping up the end of Globe Life Park, and that stadium still just bare, empty. Like I'm like. I get it, but this is yeah. this is a little disappointing, I would have to say. But Nick Stolak's been great. I don't know if you've been seeing his Honestly, stats. I've checked out of baseball. No, I checked out on the Rangers. He's He's been one of their young guys that's came up. He's been 330, 4, 440 uh, on base. He's played. Uh, he's got 84 at-bats this season, uh, four homers slugging of uh, 540 and an ops of 988. He's mm-hmm. one of their young guys that's come up. He's a middle infielder, can play some outfield, this and that. He's been really, really solid. A nice bright spot for them so far. Yeah, that's good. I mean, any any young help that they can get coming up in the pipeline, I think, is is going to be huge for the uh, Rangers moving forward. Yes, and he was in the trade they got uh, from the race for Pete Fairbanks, so they won that deal. All right, so wrapping up the show, what is what do you got for us uh, this week? All right, so obviously Redskins Cowboys week, and we were talking earlier this week, and there's one thing you always hear as a Redskins fan from your Cowboys fans: Redskins Cowboys games are always close. When the Cowboys went 1-15, who was that one win against? Yeah. The Redskins. If I had a nickel for every time I heard that, I would be able to fund three-hour segment or th- a three-hour show for us every day <laughs> of the week. Like, it is just ridiculous. So, my question to you is, if there is one sporting, one event or one play or one game that you can go back and reverse, or you can only pick one, 
and the op- the outcome is opposite. So the Indians, like if they they lose that game seven against the Cubs, you can. Oh, that's clearly it. That's it. Oh yes. Okay, that's, that's what I, I figured that was it. I figured that was it. I didn't know if there, I didn't know if maybe there was a Cavs. No, the Cavs. No, 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 no. That is clearly it. We got uh, we got hosed by a rain delay that lasted ten minutes, and they, that tarp should have never been on the field. We got that rained harder in games this year I've seen than that World Series. That is clearly it. See those Cubs fans cry it. out of there. Oh my God, that's not. You didn't, even need, you didn't even need to finish it. That yeah. is clearly. I, it. I figured, but you know, no, I, I, it's fine. It's good, but yeah, no, I'm still. I'm never get over that garbage. Never <laughs> get over. We got. We got. Just Aroldis Chapman crying. It just adds to the whole. The whole thing. All right. No, clearly that. That's what, what, I, I what is your? Oh, I'll say if the Cavs had lost Game Seven against the Warriors, then on top of that, we do a. That would be a real tough one to decide which one would be. But uh, with the Cavs winning, oh, yeah, the Cubs is uh, no data. Uh, mine is the 2001 World Series Game 7, Luis Gonzalez walk-off. The fact I with uh, the 18th, 18-year uh, 18 anniversary of 9-11, the fact that the Yankees lost the World Series in 2001 is like... Tough. And, you like, Boston, didn't the Red Sox win it after the Boston bombings of the marathon? 2011? Uh, is that when it was, seven years ago? I think so. I feel like the Red Sox won it. After the Boston, yeah, because they had the whole Boston strong Houston, thing. Houston won it after the hurricane. There's a trend of teams winning titles when when tragedy strikes. tragedy strikes the city, and the fact that the Yankees couldn't pull it out in that one is like, that's one you're just like, how did that not happen? Just off the greatest closer in baseball history. You know who else would uh uh. He blew a save against in 1997. Sandy Almar, rocket one to right center field. Yeah. Joe Buck, I hate to. Joe Buck said that's the loudest stadium he's ever heard. Until yeah. I don't know, he said that like a couple years ago, which uh, just had to bring that up for you there. Uh, uh, 2013 was the was the Boston Marathon, and I think the Red Sox won it that year. I think so too. So yeah, so that's tragedy uh, strikes there. All right, so we'll talk to you guys next week after the Cowboys. Do they cover against the Dolphins? We'll have to see, and we'll talk to you on Thursday. Check us our RSS feed out. That is the short thing. All right, talk to you guys next week.